Hi, this is Philip Wurter. And Bernard Zimmermann. Welcome to our podcast series, Virtual Leadership Development, How to Master the New Normal. And a warm welcome from my side as well. In the series, we cover a range of topics that all have an influence or impact on leadership development and all its applications in a virtual context. In episode 20, we want to continue our conversation about conscious listening. In one of our last episodes, we said that one of the most important skills to really be able to listen is the ability to ask questions. And that is what we want to deepen today. So let's start, Bernard. How do you see this? Well, the general rule we all know is asking open questions. That has been around for a long time. And the challenge is that people often think they ask open questions, and yet they ask either leading questions or close questions. And my experience is really that when you're in a virtual connection, the open question is really one of the tools to keep people engaged. Mm-hmm. What is your experience? Well, I had to smile when you said that because when I teach questions, techniques in workshops, I have a, an exercise where people ask each other questions and the person who answers lifts up his hand every time he has a closed question coming at him. And it's interesting, if you stand in front of the room, all you see are these hands going up and down <laughs> because that's what we do. It's human, but we're mm. not aware of doing it. Yeah. And yet it avoids or it restricts the engagement. And that's even more important. We emphasized that before. It's important in a virtual interaction to pay attention to the engagement. That's vital, Bernard. So in that sense, maybe there are two things that we want from a question. And the one is, yes, obviously an answer and a closed question will not get the same kind of answer. And the second is the connection. And that connection is vital for the engagement. Mm. And if you ask a closed question, even sometimes the person may continue answering and not to say yes or no. Mm. But that connection is not enough to really foster the engagement that we want to bring across. Yes. The interesting part is what I hear from discussions about open questions. Some people say, you know, in a virtual interaction, you may be more under time pressure, which we said before, it takes more time. So you need to be conscious how much you pack into the agenda and you ask an open question. And I said, why open the floodgate? I don't think so. But what's your strategy to deal with that? I always want to laugh when I hear the excuse, I don't have the time. Because that really is just playing victim. You know, regardless of how much time we have, you are the person asking the question. So you can set priorities. So if you go in with a position of you opening the floodgates, you really haven't thought it through. Because if you don't have that much time, you know, you can say, well, you know, here is a question. And I would like, because of time, I'd like only two answers. Mm -hmm. You're able to limit that. But it's a reasonable request. You know, and the second thing is also, if you ask a question, especially online, is you need to also sometimes be very specific who you would like to answer that question. Otherwise, we just have the same people communicating. And Mm. from my perspective, you know, if you really want to listen, you need to make sure, and it's your responsibility, to make sure that everybody is connected and everybody is able to bring in their opinion, which means you need to direct the question at people as well. Yes. 
And there comes also an interesting dynamic. Either people have not been listening or they find it really interesting to reflect on the question and they stay silent. Now, imagining you know, when you're under, you feel under pressure as the facilitator of the leader of the meeting and that person, you ask the question, it's just silence. What's the automatic reflex you get? Well, trying to visualize it in front of me, if somebody was really not paying attention, you immediately see that in their face. Mm. If they are being constructive, they will say something like, I'm sorry, would you please repeat the question, which is fine. Mm. If somebody really doesn't know, you will also see that. But if somebody really just doesn't want to answer the question for whatever reason, nothing says you should immediately follow up the second question. That's the mistake I think we make, is the minute that there is this silence, we are intimidated by this silence. And we follow up with the second question. It's perfectly okay, I think even stronger, to give people time to answer that question and enough time, and maybe even repeat the question if it's an important question, but not just give up. Yes. And in my experience, sometimes people forget. They they forget about the two personalities, the extrovert who talks about the thoughts and the introvert who wants to give a perfect answer. Yeah. And I remember just recently, I'm, I'm a mentor in another coach training program. We do that all online. I was observing one person and it was very obvious that the coachee in the training who played the coachee was more on the introvert side of the spectrum. And the other person was so much under pressure and asking a question, rephrasing the question, rephrasing the question. Mm -hmm. The other person actually got annoyed and said, can you please stop asking the same question? I'm thinking about it. In a training situation, it's funny and nice and, and we all took it lighthearted. But that's what I see people fall into, you know, fire the next question, fire the next question. We think maybe they haven't understood it or they haven't got it rather than leaving the space for uninterrupted thinking of the person who's been asked. Absolutely. You know, and actually what you just alluded to was what we did in our previous two episodes talking about uh, the different levels of listening. Mm. Because now listening to you describe how the person who was asking the question was reacting, he was more listening to his own third level his own chatter about, oh, my question is not being understood. I need to rephrase it, et cetera, et cetera. Not being aware of listening. Mm. And listening is also looking at the reaction of the other person. Yeah. As you said before, you can see mostly in their face what's mm. going on, whether they engage and whether they're thinking, but you need to pay attention to that. Yeah. And maybe just to add something to that, Bernard, which just occurred to me, that if you don't see everybody on your screen in a virtual situation, it's really difficult to ask questions mm. because you can't see the reaction. Yes. And sometimes also just the reaction of everybody when you ask that question is important. Mm. Actually, I've written a blog about that as well. How do you actually deal with a situation where you have to present something at mm -hmm. the same time you, you want to observe all the people? Yeah. You need to have two screens, obviously, but we come to that at the, the later stage, uh, explain a bit more. Now, I think following on there, when you have the first question and people respond in the way to keep the engagement high and really move forward, I think it's powerful to follow up and deepen 
the discussion, what you've heard. Now, not just what you think they say, but focus on what they've said. Maybe repeat, maybe quote or point out something very specifically, because that is, in my experience, very important. I absolutely agree with you, because in an online situation, curiosity is even more important than it is mm -hmm. in an offline situation. Again, from observing many trainings where we go through this, I realized that curiosity is something that we build through questions. For me, there is a technique that if you want to deepen mm -hmm. a question or if you want to deepen an answer or follow up, quote something from the answer that the person gave, something specific, not everything, something specific that you want to find out more about. Turn mm -hmm. that specific quote into a question, obviously an open question, and then listen to what they say. The important thing is when you formulate that question, leave out your own opinions, leave out what you think, leave out your assumptions, just with a focus of, I want to know more about this specific thing that the person used in their answer. And if you continue doing that, you will hear amazing things and you will hear the connection build in the other person mm. and you will feel the curiosity build. And that's what we want in online conversations. You know, we want that connection. We need that connection. Mm -hmm. When you're engaged in that conversation, my experience is also that sometimes other participants get really hooked into and they want to contribute and sometimes they jump in. And I think there's also an element, you need to create the space for each and every person mm -hmm. to give them the time to answer Obviously, that comes also in the rules of engagement. They say, no, we need to have the space for each one. And yeah. you need to provide that. Make sure that people feel they're not put under pressure from others or from yourself to answer quicker. But say what they want to say, what they contribute, so they feel fully heard. And then you can move on and say, okay, acknowledge what you've heard and then bring the next person in and, and see how they add to the point made. Absolutely. You know, one person speaks at a time is vital, mm. especially online, because otherwise too many people speaking at the same time, it becomes difficult for anyone to follow. Yes. And most of the technologies don't support that kind of interaction, what you could have in a normal room. Mm -hmm. It just kind of, you, you don't understand anything anymore uh, when yes. people talk into each other. One Dynamic, I have observed a number of times, you know, that you have uh, reticent participants. That can be challenging to involve them and, and also to some extent control them in a way that the dynamic stays at the level that everybody can contribute. How do you address that, Philip? What I try not to do is to allow my instinct to rule what I say, because the feeling that I have, and that's what I see most often, is to immediately ask another question. And there are different reasons why people don't answer immediately. Mm. As you said before, they may need time to think, or they weren't paying attention, or they didn't understand the question. And you need to give them the space of time to think that through. Because if you just continue following up, you are taking the power away from them. If they don't understand the question, 
it's for them to say, sorry, I don't understand the question. Well, if it was a stupid question, you should hear that if you asked a stupid question, because sometimes we do. Mm. There are all these various possibilities, but you now need to allow people the time. And that time is powerful because you ask to hear something and wait for it. Mm. And at the most, maybe repeat the question after a while. What do you do? Well, it depends on the dynamic. I bring people in and then when some person starts talking and is it never ending in the way they talk. And I had that recently when I facilitated a breakout group, we only had 15 minutes and one person started talking. And I knew that from before is that as soon as that person starts talking, it will be a point to watch out how much space and time the talk will take. And just at one moment, when the person was taking a breath in, I was lucky there was breathing. Uh, I said, hang on a minute. I heard your point, and I paraphrased what I've heard in, in a few words. I said, now let's also take care of the others, because I see others will want to contribute to what you say, to what the question is here. Can we give the space to them? And then you almost apologize. That, oh, sorry, yes, mm -hmm. I've been talking again for very long. Of course, the others should contribute as well. Yeah, that's important. You mentioned something important that not just cutting the person off, paraphrasing quickly what they said, which shows the person you heard what they said. Mm. It's these subtle things, you know, paraphrasing or mirroring or acknowledging. That is vital because the minute that we feel we are not being heard, we mm. cut off. It's not a conscious yeah. thing, it's subconscious. And then yeah. that energy reverberates throughout the virtual room. One behavior I've seen a number of times is when you say, no, people don't feel hurt, they cut off, they drift away when the facilitator or whoever's in charge starts monologuing, <laughs> starts talking endlessly. I mean, I can't stand it anymore when I'm in a webinar and there's little interaction uh, and the person starts talking. Of course, I will involve you and you wait for the involvement and it's not happening. And people just, you see how the eyes rolls and people, you feel the energy is just gone from the screen when they talk for long. What is your experience? The same. I just notice my own experience when I'm in a workshop virtual and I see that happen. And not even just a monologue, even just two people continuously only having a conversation between them. Mm. I drift off. I shut off. They lose me. But what I also notice, how that frustration inside me, because I know what's happening, mm. I notice how that frustration builds simply because for me, the value of fairness, everybody needs to be heard, yeah. is in danger. Yes. And that makes me mad. And I literally have to control myself not to speak up because it's mm. not my workshop. I'm just a participant. But it also just shows that if people do that, they are actually not listening. Mm -hmm. So what it just points to is that if people do that, they are not listening. They're just listening to their own mind chatter or to their own voice. The key point here is really for us as facilitators or leaders of meetings is that we prepare ourselves mentally and said, we will limit our contribution. We will limit our contribution and have ourselves prepared to say maximum is 20%. Mm -hmm. It may still be more, but we consciously there said, watch out how much you contribute, how much space you give to others that they feel heard and they can raise their questions in the discussion. I like that 20% because I agree with it. 
If you have the intention of only speaking 20% in any conversation, 80% of the time you will be hearing something that may enrich you. Mm. If you have the intention of talking for 80% of the time, you're going to get nothing out of that because everything that's said in the conversation, you already know. There's no mm. point in that, is there? Absolutely. The other part is to avoid also you know, when you had maybe a stretch of talking to bring people in with the questions, leave the space. But also when the answer, one element is how we interact, you know, keep the eye contact mm -hmm. and our dynamic and our, our um, body language. But it's also important that they notice that you take note mentally, but maybe also physically. Note it down either on your notepad or note it down just a word or two in the screen. And I do that taking a whiteboard or a PowerPoint that I just take few words, not record the full session because that would be too distractive or have the producer come in so I can still be in my role as facilitator or leader of the meeting. Absolutely. You know, the power of question is not just when you ask them. The power of question is also associated with listening. For me, I've said this mm. before, asking questions is a skill of listening. If you take notes, doesn't mean that you have to write down everything people say. Mm. But if you find something interesting or curious or whatever, and you make a note of it, you can come back to that at any time and yeah. ask the person that. They yeah. will be amazed that you remembered. Mm. That is powerful because that is the way that you really give people the sense of they are being heard. In a conversation, it's impossible to ask questions for everything that is interesting or for everything that you actually want to hear. And we forget. If we don't write it down, we forget. Mm. You know, even after a conversation, let's say we have a virtual meeting that lasts two hours. And you wrote down two or three interesting comments that somebody said, but you didn't have the opportunity to follow up. Just think about the impact that you will have when afterwards you call them up or you send them an email and say, there are a few points that you said that I just want to hear more about. This, this, this. Mm. That's how we build connection. Yes. I think it gives a very clear signal to the people that their engagement pays off. They're being heard. Mm -hmm. And... The engagement, now how to ask questions is one key element for keeping people engaged, but there's more to it. And in our next episode, we will cover how to engage with others. To help you reflect for these sessions, we have the following question. What is the impact it has on you when you feel others don't engage with you during a virtual meeting? What feelings and thoughts go through your mind and what happens on an emotional level for you? That's it from me. Thank you, everyone. And a big thank you from me as well. But finally, before we go, if you would like to connect with us or share your insights and feedback, please feel free to do so either on LinkedIn.com, Bernard Zimmerman, contact, that is C-O-N hyphen T-A-C-T, or Philip Wurter. We're both based in Germany. Or connect via email at philip at .net or bernard.zimmermann at contactinternational.com. That is C-O-N hyphen T-A-C-T hyphen international.com. 
We look forward to connecting in our next episode. Thank you and goodbye.